Hello? It's happening. Three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Everybody, uh, before we start this, while well, we end our retrospective today, we uh, just want to give you guys all a shout out. Uh, when we came back in January, we quickly decided let's do the Scream franchise because obviously it would be fun, and we love our slasher horror. And there are fun ones to do, especially if we if you notice we've been doing with just two people, myself and Trevor. Um, as the new year approached, we have had some changing of the guard. We've been doing this podcast for a couple years now. We all do it because we love movies and we're fanboys first. And if we ever get to that, you know, era where we start profiting a bit, that'd be nice as well. But, but fanboys first. And but it takes a lot of toll. A lot of people don't realize to get on and get all set up and watch the film. And sometimes we have to watch the film twice. It could take a, it could take its toll on people. So sometimes people just want to take a break and walk away for a little bit. And I completely understand that. Um, with that being said, uh, sad face, we, Nula has decided, well, actually, it's a good thing, I suppose. Nula, as you probably all know through the podcast, uh, is really into her games and the gaming, the gaming scene, I guess you kids are calling it. Um, she has her own site now where you can follow her on Twitch and it's at Plum Roberta. That's Plum Roberta on Twitch. And if you like Nula on the podcast, Give her a listen on the gaming scene. She definitely knows her stuff. Not to say she won't be back, but she will certainly be amazed until then. Uh, in the meantime, myself and Trevor are taking the reins, and we're just having some good fun with Scream. And as we move forward, we are testing out some new podcasters this week, so you'll be hearing some fresh new voices. And in the meantime, it's me and Trevor. And I do want to say a massive shout-out to our listening audience. I can't express how much we appreciate the downloads we've been getting for this retrospective. Now, it's maybe because they strike while the iron's hot with the new Scream coming out. That could be it. But you know what? I think it's about loyalty. And I, we have nothing but the utmost respect for you guys for sticking with us uh, through these changes. And I hope you're with us with the new changes to come. So thank you for that. And with that, let's talk the new Scream. Trevor. Hello, Kieran. Great to be here as always. Yep, we're here to talk Scream here on Citizen Frame. Now, we always say it's a harsh language, spoiler-filled podcast, but this time I need to let you know that this is going to be spoiler-filled. Major spoilers. So, yeah, so if you haven't seen the new Scream yet, uh, you still give us still a Still tuned in. Right? Still tuned in. Yeah, we don't give, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> if fuck you, your spoilers. <laughs> yeah, we don't give a shit if you if you if we blow it for you. We just want the viewers. We just want the listeners. Yeah. Uh, but let's just jump right into this one. So... We left off with part four, and you and I both highly recommended it. We almost think it's better than the second one. Definitely better than the third. Yeah, definitely better than the third. Uh, But where are they going to go with it? And especially now, God rest his soul, Wes Craven's gone. The cool thing about the Scream is that they handed, they passed the baton in a couple different ways. It's no longer Dimension, so the Weinsteins have no say. Cameron Williamson's back as just producer, but he's still back. And you've got it, Paramount has taken over. So they have taken over their franchise. And what really works for this 
is the icing on the cake is not the fact that you've got Dewey, Gale, pretty much the original members that have survived the Scream franchise that are uh, for the uh, for fifth, fourth time, well, fifth time technically, I guess you can say. But most importantly, it's been the directing chair has been handed to a, a couple guys called Matt Pettinelli Open and Tyler Gillette, I want to say. Now, these guys piqued my interest a couple years ago with a fucking great film. And if you guys like the Scream franchises, this movie's right up your alley. It's called Ready or Not, with the beautiful Samantha Weaving and another and a handful of character actors. And it is an absolute gem of a film. If you guys like Scream, please, please give Ready or Not a try. But with that being said, when these guys were hired to rewrite and retweak and rebrand the Scream franchise, I was completely on board. I'm sure Wes would have been very pleased with their choice. Uh, And with that being said, we got the new Scream film. And let's start off with the way we always do. The opening sequence. Um, we talked about the opening sequence. We enjoy our opening sequence. We think the third one was a little weak, as we talked about. But I'll tell you what now. What an homage to the original. This opening sequence is the second best opening sequence in the franchise, hands down. Yeah, probably is. I would agree with that. And, if not better. And I like the twist where basically the girl survives. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem with that part, though. You know... Um, you haven't seen it. She gets a phone call, and it's it's more landline based. And the whole time, and I was fooled. She's talking to her friend, I believe Amber. Uh, Tara is the, the girl, the main lead here, and she's talking to her friend Amber through text. But the whole time, he's calling her on the landline. So you think that's where the killer is, but te- but he's been playing the persona of Amber as well. Yeah, through the texting, like pick up the phone, pick up, and he goes, "Well, how do you know the phone's ringing? Because this isn't Amber." <laughs> so cool. I love I love I love my go face. But the cool thing about this scene, and I like saying cool is probably pretty pretty creepy to say when it it's the brutality of it. Because he sla I mean, he really goes after this girl, uh, crushes her ankle, pierces her hand, um, stabs her like four times. And he's and the young actress Jenny Ortega, I believe her name is, really sells it that she's vulnerable and and frightened for her life. Um, like I mentioned, the most of the screen films what really work is that it's so fun for the first ten minutes. You're you're having a good laugh. You're rooting for Ghostface, but then it just turns. This is more sinister. And, this one. Yeah, it's a lot darker tone, and I'm didn't more, see it coming. Yeah, didn't see the darker darker take on it. But wow, what a great opening. Yeah, um, I would also say, um, you know, the, the sort of intensity of the violence as well is much more grounded and realistic um, in, in this film throughout, especially in the first half and in, and in this opening sequence. And it's much more sinister and actually um, tense because of that. Yeah, spot on. It's, it is definitely a darker, t- darker take. Yes. Um, the franchise always said... Um, each 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 sequel gets a little more brutal and brutal. Um, and I thought the fourth one was 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 pretty was pretty brutal, but this one really ups the game in its brutality, which it's, is great. It's, it's nice to it's, see. It's the context of the violence where it's not just like you know, 
silly sort of um you know the ghost face running about you know fastly chasing them chasing the screaming girl around which in itself is homage to the whole slicer genre but this is this feels like the real world yeah and well let's talk about the characters real quick um once we introduce the, uh, the opening we find out that tara is still alive so her sister is calling coming back her sister's called sam sam and tara carpenter <laughs> yes See a little homage there and they um Sarah comes back with her boyfriend, uh, Richie, to see what's going on, what happened, so forth. Yes, she has survived the attack. Um, I'll get more into, I don't understand the, the attack scene when we get to the more of the, the, the uh, reveal. And then you got, so you've got, you got obviously the classics, Dale, Gail, you got Sydney, Gail, and Dewey. But then you got Sam, Tara, Richie, Amber, Wes, and Judy, um, and Mindy, and Chad, and then Liv. And then a useless character, which maybe we could talk about this now. They introduced to us to a character called Vince, mm-hmm. who you find out is related to Stu. Yes. Um, what was the fucking point of this character? Besides th- a cool kill? I think he was just that I had to kill total up. You know? Yeah, because he can't be a red herring because he's killed too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just to sort of um, make a sort of connection with Stu. Um, in some way from the original film, he was sort of bumped off pretty quick. Not unless it was a, a, a small sort of rug, rug pull sort of twist and that you were sort of, um, in those opening scenes, he's being sort of set up as a potential suspect and then the twisted where it's not, let's just kill this asshole. He has, a good, must... he has a good death scene, I must admit. A great death scene, uh, right in the throat. Real with, quick, you don't see it coming. With she, just, red right hand. Um, yeah, by you needed it. Yeah, yeah um, you needed on the radio. Yep. And I just thought, the, uh, when I see stuff like that, it's, I think there was just rewrites. So they cut, his, they, they cut him short. That's exactly what happened. There's no way, that character was way through, thrown at us. And they're sitting at the school after after she's attacked. Um, and they do the announcements. You know, the principal does the announcements. We've got to close the school, you know, curfew, as we did in the first one. And there's Vince sitting by the car, and you're meeting the new team, um, just like you did in the first one. But it was just, just pointless, just really pointless. Did you catch the voice of the principal? No. Who was the voice? Drew Barrymore. Was it? Right? I didn't yeah. know that. Right? That <laughs> was kind of fun. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like the intro of all the characters. We talked about the last scream where it was just in your face really fast. Uh-huh. And you could be able to knew everybody within 10 minutes. Uh, they, they do that one pretty well, pretty well with this one. Uh, we're not introduced to Dewey and the gang, the ones we know, for at least 25, 30 minutes. You kind of, they kind of wait for the, you might see him on TV. There might be a real cameo real quick. But they're really not put into the film, especially Sydney, for quite a bit of time. So we've got, we got plenty of time to get to know these characters. And one of the characters that does come back is uh, Deputy Hicks, but now Sheriff Hicks. I'm going to tell you right now, this scene is so tough to watch, and I love my gore. And I'm saying this from a Scream film. So it's like, it's we saw this one about a week ago. Yeah. And it's tough doing these podcasts because you have to see it twice to kind of really, but we didn't have the opportunity to do it. So when you're, but we have to let it marinate a bit because there's some scenes that don't work. There's some scenes that do work. So you want to do do the film justice by thinking about it and just thinking, you know, what were they thinking? What were they doing? And stuff like this. 
And this was one of the scenes I wanted to think about. Because uh, Sheriff Hicks has a son, played, uh, which is Wes Hicks. And the open, their scene is just a wonderful family dynamic. Single mother raising her kid. Uh, the mom's going to go pick up some sushi and just really nice. Reference to the lemon squares from the fourth one as well. <laughs> yeah, lemon squares. Very, I will say very Dawson's Creek kind of dialogue. Um, and But it works. And you really like their dynamics. So she's going to get the lemon square. And the lemon squares, thanks a lot. Trevor, you got me saying lemon squares. <laughs> uh, but she goes to get the sushi and then he goes to take a shower. Now what works for this whole sequence, and it's a long sequence, guys. But it is a pot boiler. It's, it brilliant. Is, it's a brilliant scene. It is the best scene in the film, personally. Yeah. And it works in so many levels. One, first time the boy, the, the man or the teenager is taking a shower. Usually it's the woman or the, the girl is in the shower scene. A homage uh, as well to Seiko, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And so as he, as he is showering, uh, Judy gets a phone call from Ghostface. And Ghostface is kind of playing with her, and he says, "Well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just looking at your son taking a shower." Mm-hmm. And so she knows he's in the house, so she, he, she's got to go back to the house. He lures her back on purpose. We know that's Ghostface's mo. So when she gets out there and she walks to the front of the house in broad daylight, he comes out, doesn't even flinch, and the stabbing of this poor character—it is a brutal, brutal death. Yeah, and it's a woman, and she's and she's uh, an officer, uh, and she's being gutted in broad daylight, in, in in front of her house while her son is showering upstairs and has no clue. The scene doesn't even stop there. They then love the old jump scares, which I love. I love my fakes. I love my fake outs. It's probably like I like James Wan, but. You have Wes, he comes down the stairs, he goes to the, the kitchen, opens up a door, you think the killer's behind the door, you know, this old cliche, you know, the old, you know. And then, as he's, he sees the, he hears the door opening of the front of the house, and he goes to the front of the door, and the ghost guy, the ghost, how ghost guy, ghost faces pops up, and he literally stabs him right through the throat. It's, yeah, and it's, it's brutal. It's, he, and he just stands there, and the kid is choking on his own blood pretty much. And you just he just watches him do it, and he just, and he just it, it is the it is a long shot. The, it's like it's like a two minute shot where you yeah. just see this poor kid. It lingers on it. Yeah, and he had this wonderful family dynamic you were just introduced to, and you're cut so quickly from the from the, they're quickly they're quickly taken out of the picture, and so brutally. The the, the it, kills in this um, version of Scream, especially in the first half. Um, uh, they are so cold blooded, so they are. Yeah. Uh, but not only that, they're the way Ghostface moves as well is much more effective. It's much more sinister, and you know, it's it, it, Ghostface is moving slow. You know, it's not just running about with loads of stunts and obvi- obvious stuntmen and stuff. You know, yeah. Um, it's so slow and so sinister, and and so it, it's really intense, especially in the first half. And um. And the, and the whole point of this kill was because you know killing an officer, especially in broad daylight, all the other police are going to show up. So they had police coverage on on Tara's door in the hospital there. So I thought that was, was clever. Trick. Yeah, it was to get the police away from Tara from the hospital so the Ghostface can go after her. Mm-hmm. And this is where you, you're into where you meet uh, um, 
Sister Sam, well, well, they see each other for the first time in a while. Sam and Richie. Uh, so Richie, we all know, is he's probably the more named of the group. That's uh, Dennis Quaid's son. And uh, he's in The Boys, which is a very popular TV show. Um, the cast, I'll say this. And the problem, I thought about this one myself. The, the cast seems kind of forgettable. Yeah, and they're blonde. They're bland. Sure. Where David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and and you know everybody that's involved, Nev Campbell and all. It could be because we've seen them four times and we follow the We're franchise so familiar with day them. one. We're so familiar with them. We're not giving these guys a shot. So I thought about that for the time off we were before we did this podcast. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. The act is good. You know, I just think they just feel a bit, they, they feel a bit generic. I yeah. did. I did quite like um, Randy's um, niece and nephew, but it's only because they're Randy's niece and nephew, you know. And I love yeah. Randy, and just the callbacks to Randy from the first two Mid- films. Yeah, yeah, Mindy and Chad Meeks. Yes, and they're tw- they're supposed to be well twins, and yeah, all of them they go to their house, and there's an old, there's a whole memorial to Randy. Yes, his movie club, his movie club, and all that. Um, then you got this one character, Liv, who's kind of forgettable, who's. Uh, Chad's girlfriend, her name's Liv, but they keep. It's, she's not a bad red herring, to be fair, because she doesn't have much to say or do, and they all call her the boring girl. And there's a great scene when they they finally we where they decide once she gets it, Hicks, the sheriff, they have to go to Dewey, and Dewey is kind of run down, kind of an alcoholic. I think that 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 is the real emotional core of the film. David Arquette steals the show in this film. Um, and the, the fact uh, um, that it's played, you know, the way Dewey in all the previous films is played as the bumbling idiot, but in this, he, you really feel sorry for him. Yeah. Um, so you do because, yeah. and it's so realistic. He's hit the bottle. Um, his wife has left him, or he left his wife actually. Um, he's lost his job. He, he forced into retirement. You know, and and you know, we lived for his job. You really do feel for him. And then when a certain scene comes up around the midway point, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, it just adds more emotional sort of heart-wrenching power to it. We we talked about that when any time he's on the scene, any of the screen films, you have that dun 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 dun, yeah. you know that spaghetti western portrayed as an idiot. Yeah, in this one they don't do it. Yeah, they sh- they do it when he's first introduced in the trailer, but so it's minimal. So, you yeah. barely yeah you barely hear it because this is they're saying this is a darker tone. Yeah. This isn't the Dewey you know, and it, it's a much more sympathetic Dewey. And yes. um, David Arquette is, well, he's, I, think, I personally believe he's, he's by far the best in the film. He's very good. Um, in, in all fairness, I think Sidney, Sydney, I like Neff Campbell, and I do like Courtney Cox. Sidney didn't they, have too much to do. That, that, yeah, know. they don't bring anything to the table like, like David Arquette does. What I would say is that um, Courtney Cox, um, I, I've always had a bit of a sort, I've always just always associated her with friends. So maybe my prejudice of that, um, I didn't really rate her. But she is actually a very good later on in the more emotional scenes after yeah. a certain scene that we're going to talk about. Yeah, because now Gail is this big, uh, big news anchor person, yeah. and and um, and Dewey is kind of left on his own. There's a great motion, There's a great scene when they when they they finally meet, and they do kind of pass things up, and it's a good scene. It's it, it's their it's their full circle scene. Yes, where they finally come. What what happened between us? Why were we kept you know going and coming and going? They and I kind of brought that up in the fourth one. Remember, I was like, "What the fuck's going on with these guys?" Yes. They kind of give a nice. You know, um, full circle. What's obviously 
They they Somebody's basically come to um sort of agree to disagree and, because they're very yeah. different people, and that's why they you know they had to eventually although they loved each other, they've had to part ways because they're two very different people. She's a big high flying sort of city journalist, and he's just the um the local town sheriff type thing. Yeah, and it was more of a you know what do you call it uh, part ways as friends technically or yes. closure closure agree, agree to disagree type thing. Yeah, exactly. There's a fun scene where Dewey goes to the goes to the Meeks house. That's where we see the memorial for Randy. <laughs> and we give her this speech about, and Dewey gives it. One of you in this room is the killer. He doesn't see. He doesn't try to. You know. He doesn't tiptoe around it. He Dewey says, one calls of us. it from the start. Actually, even whenever Sam and the boyfriend go and visit him, um, Dewey says um, it's always the love interest. You know, it's almost always the love interest. And, well, <laughs> we'll talk about that soon. Yeah, and then she goes, "You could then you could be the killer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. You know, you, you can't really, you can't, you can't really, you know, not say he isn't. Well, we'll call back uh, to Randy. Um, yes. You know, the scenes where Randy were, everyone's a suspect. And then somebody yep. says, well, that makes you a suspect. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's the same, it's the exact same, it's a different different version of the speech that we're always given. Yes. Um, did he catch the Sydney when uh, so when they call Sydney and they t- and uh, Dewey call Sydney and she's got twins now, twin girl or twin kids, whatever. And he goes, Don't come down here. And she he she goes, uh, I can't, you know, I, I, I won't. What's going on? He's this ghost face killer's back. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and how's Mark? Blah blah. Well, Mark is a policeman, is the policeman, Mark, yep. yeah, Detective Kincaid from three. So I was surprised they didn't bring him back into the picture, or maybe they're plotting for something. For the, you know, because this movie's this movie's a box office hit. Yes. So maybe maybe Dempsey will come come in for that one. Yeah. Because uh, it's definitely a character I'm surprised they didn't play more on. Because Patrick Dempsey, you know, right, he's an accomplished actor. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's well, he did. Uh, this is before he did. Yeah, because he did Scream Three before he did Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. So now he's bigger. Yes. So I'm, I'm surprised. I'm well. Maybe you will see something coming up. Who knows? Uh, would have been nice if he was the killer. That would have been cool. <laughs> nice little twist. The robot in the um, Sydney. Here's what I really liked about the film. And this is nothing I was contemplating. Again, spoiler fail, people. The twin. The, oh, that twin. I keep saying twin. The sisters, Sam and Tara. Actually, Sarah. Uh, Sam, sorry, is a, is adapted. Yes. And her father is actually Billy Loomis. And there's a great scene where it plays with, she's definitely the first person you think's the killer because she has these images of her father and she's talking to him. And the images are actually Skeet Ulrich who came back. Yeah, it was for good to film. see him return. Yeah, it was nice. And he was de-aged, as they do. Um, and it was cool because she's talking to him and uh and you did, you were like, oh god, she like split personality. What's happening here? That was a good red herring. Yeah, because it's um, she set up as having the same sort of mental health issues as Billy did in the first one. You know, some some sort of psychosis. Exactly, and even if she's not the killer in this one, you know, spoiler alert, she's not. She could be for the second one. So she could be if they do another one. Of course, they are going to do another one. There's no way they're not. They she'd be the perfect, always the one you're gonna point the finger to, no matter you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, because she has this, yeah, she has a little bit of Billy blood in her. 
Lumis blood. Uh, exactly. And uh I just I just like it. I just I just like that little little uh I don't know, it's, it's a cool way to bring Skeet back. Because, you know, Skeet Alvarez hasn't done much, so it's nice to see him come yeah. back. Cause was... Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he was great in the original. You know, yeah. one of the best characters. I Let's talk, we might as well get this out of the way. Again, spoiler. Um, after Sydney comes back, and Gail comes back, and people know there's something really sinister going on, we get the death of Dewey. Oh, yes. Again, the killer's always been trying to get to Tara. And when they find out that there's nobody, uh, when the killer lures the police to the death of Hicks, that's the opportunity for the killer strike. And, well, I will say this, the hospital is pretty empty. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty shame. empty. Yeah. I was you know, obviously COVID too. wasn't going on when when this was happening, you know. Yeah, no, no kidding. Mm-hmm. And so, Dewey, Rich, and Sydney, Sam, Sam, Sam. yeah, Sam was yes. They go, and there's a great scene when Tara is is kind of crawling through or rolling she's in a wheelchair trying because she realizes she's by herself and she's got to make it to the elevator or something like that and the ghost guy you know Ghostface is right behind her and Ghostface is playing with um Nev with Nev Campbell as you do you know they're having the banter over the phone and Ghostface makes a great thing why are we having all this banter and all this talk I gotta go kill your friend or kill Tara or whatever <laughs> and Nev Campbell goes is it Nev was it Nev goes no, I'm just trying to. Uh, um, what is, what's he say? I'm just trying to uh, distract you. Yes. And yes. the elevator doors open, and they're there. Yeah. Because he thought they weren't there yet, but the whole time they were just holding them on the phone so they can get there to help Tara. Thought that was a cool scene. Yeah. And then yeah, they just upload the uh, Dewey just shoots shoots the bullets. Uh, I knew that Ghostface was wearing a. A uh, 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 vest, of course, you and do he should have known as well because they always come back. Yeah, well, he lets the other one leave. He lets everyone leave, mm-hmm. um, and he goes, "I'm going to stay up here. I got to finish it." They always come back. I got to shoot him in the head. Mm-hmm. Shoot them in the head, and rest assured, when he does that, something goes wrong, and Ghostface gets up and guts. It's a horrible. And again, we talked about the lingering yeah. for the Hicks deaths, the family Hicks family. They do it with Dewey, and he does it on both sides, the front and the back, and he just guts him like a fish. Can I? Yeah, it, I mean, it is. It's a very powerful, emotionally powerful scene, and it's a, it shock, it's a shocker as well. It's a shocking scene. It's a big twist. Um, however, in retrospect, what there is a slight thing that's um, um, bugging me about this scene, and that is, haven't seen obviously the whole film. We know who the two killers are. So we know who the specific killer was in this scene, and it's a bit of a jump in reality, considering that it was basically a young, a young, very small and thin um, woman <laughs> who did the the who overpowered Dewey essentially, you know, who was you know like this big fully grown man. So that that was just a slight niggle with my nitpicking brain getting the overdrive. Um, well, we, we well we talked about that because. Uh, let's get this cat out of the bag. Uh, Amber and Richie, Sam's boyfriend, is the killers. There's yes. two of them. And I was remember I was always bitching. Why isn't Richie helping 
David Arquette. Why is he not yeah. helping Dewey? Because he uh, set up as a hurt. Pussy. Yeah, he was set up as a put so and he was hurt. He was playing hurt. The reason he couldn't help him because he, he didn't want to he wants Dewey to lose, but yes. we didn't know that at the point. So we thought he was just a big wimp. Mm-hmm. Um, but now when you think about it, it's pretty obvious that he was involved. There's also a big clue as well but, in retrospect. But I but but to uh, answer your que- but to answer your question yes. though, you got to realize we're when we in, when we find out Amber's the killer with Richie, and the house she's fucking insane. Yeah, she's frenzied. She, she's nuts. So that could also be the overpower, and also the fact Dewey's just tired. I can run with that. I can run with the fact. Yeah, she is nuts and, and very frenzied and basically a complete psycho. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Dewey has had a lot of injuries over the years, so he's you know, and you know he's hit the bottle and stuff. So yeah, I I can sort of it does niggle me slightly, but I can sort of um, begrudgingly accept that. <laughs> Fair enough, but um, yeah, um, but she's actually very good in it as well. Amber, the actress who plays Amber, who was also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, they've all done their own thing. I mean, before this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and then when the killer takes out Dewey, he says, it's an honor. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, it's a horrible death. And yeah. you see the blood just gushing out of him. And, but dramatically uh, they, and emotionally, it's really well done. You know, for, for, here, here's for what works. Series, for, yeah. Well, here's what worked for it. Because in a slasher film, you get someone gutted like he gets gutted. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, got him. Yeah, you're like, ew, gore. This one, they kill you like you want to see in a slasher. But you're you get really down on it. You're it like, lingers, oh, shit. It lingers on it. That, uh, yeah, it you're like, ah, oh, this one doesn't feel right. <laughs> it, it's gratuitous, but but it's not gratuitous if that makes sense. In that, if someone was to be stabbed in such a, a manner in the real world, it would be probably something similar to that, and it would be hor- as horrific as that. So it's because of its almost gritty realism. I'm perfectly fine with it, you know. And in yeah, fact, of I course, think it, yeah, it totally works. On an emotional and dramatic level. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. Um, we talked, uh, during this podcast, we talked about how I like uh, the ghost face and I like the callings. Yes. Well, there's much going on with the ghost. I do like how they trick ghost face to distract them mm-hmm. as they're coming up in the elevator. That was fun. Mm-hmm. There's a fun one where he, he finally goes, uh, hello, Sydney. And they go, he goes, it's an honor. <laughs> and he goes, uh, she goes, oh my God, I've seen this movie before. Yeah. And he, all he says is, not this movie. <laughs> oh, that was a great line. Yeah. It's a way of saying, this is a different film, people. <laughs> um, but it was definitely fun. The whole film plays on what they call it. They call it, they actually mention it in the film. It's called a requel. Yes. Uh, which was pretty much given, that was pretty much generated by the Halloween franchise when it started in 2018 as a reboot slash sequel. Yeah. And they really do this. So what happens is they end up at Stu's house. They try to make it a twist, but it's not. Amber it's, Amber lives in, in Stu's house. Um, her family have, in the intervening years, you know, moved into Stu's house, the farmhouse. Yes. Yeah, and it's, you don't think it is, but I knew right away. I even turned to you during the theater. That's Stu's house, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, but nice continuity. I liked it. And the party scenes was very fun. Everyone thinks it's live. Um when she shows up with bloods in her hands because you think, uh, uh, is it, I can't get the characters, uh, you think it's Chad's blood. Um, yes. Chad survives. But there's a lot of good banter, a lot of mimicking um, Randy's character sitting on the couch yes, watching that, the movie. That, that's a brilliant scene where his yeah, Mindy's doing it. She's watching Mind- the film version of Randy doing the behind you, Jamie, behind yeah, you. Yeah, she's watching Stab One. Yes. 
and it's very I good. Hope, great, yeah. great scene where they go down to the basement to get the beer. It's just well, you could be the killer, but I'm not the killer. Yeah, maybe I am. And you actually think that was going to happen, mm-hmm. but nothing happens out of it. But it's a good fun, good fun banter. Very smart dialogue. Uh, very reminiscing of the of the of the first one, but they I, made it their own. Yes, after after the sort of the, the sort of the the, 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 the almost neo realistic sort of um, you know the way it's portrayed in the first half of the film. Um, after Dewey's death, it slips back into sort of regular scream territory. That's not to say it's not fun or enjoyable, but we're now back in a regular scream film after Dewey's death. Yeah, it does. Um, Sydney and Gail are kind of doing the one-liners to with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we're used to this. Again, Sydney and Gail play a, a back part of this. This film is pretty much the, the characters that we don't really know of much about their career or, their, or the cast, that is. Yeah. So it's real. They're The guys, I'm not, I'm not kidding. They come in about 30 minutes into it, and they could have not been in this film. It would have been all right with me. They, uh, they Dewey, we need I We need just we need to sort of pass on the torch type thing. Dewey is, is a much more um, important character. In fact, his character arc uh, and what happens to him and, and the way his character is portrayed is actually very similar to Han Solo in The Force Awakens. If you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. A little more little like, bit. like a mentor yeah. type yeah. role and then gets bumped off. Um, yeah, that'd be great if you had Chewbacca in this. That'd be cool. <laughs> and he was the killer. <laughs> Talk about all bets are off. Jesus. Let's <laughs> throw Chewbacca in this. Did you catch the... Um, so it's because Sarah and Tara, Sam and Tara are sisters, she's only a half-sister because we find out Sam was adopted. She's Billy Loomis's kid. Mm-hmm. That means her name's actually Sam Loomis. Did you catch that? Yes, yes. The mm-hmm. Dr. The doctor, Sam Loomis? Yep. Donald Pleasant. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. Yep. Um, a lot of fun stuff like that in this film. I won't spoil them all. You guys got to go see the film for yourself to catch all the little fun stuff. Like, there's a lot of cameos that you got to keep. There's a, also keep an a eye big on. clue as to who the killer is um, at the start. Whenever uh, Sam and her boyfriend go to Dewey's trailer. Um, now, before this, um, the boyfriend, what, what, what do you call Richie. him? Richie. Richie, yes. Richie. Before, yeah. um, uh, Richie has said that he hasn't seen any of the stab films. But after um, Dewey like sends him packing, to, you know, tells him basically to piss off uh, because he, he's not interested. Um, whenever um, Richie turns to go away, he said, "I preferred you better in the films," but he said he hadn't seen the films. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Didn't catch that. I, I don't know. I have to be honest. I read that online and then I remembered it. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, I didn't. I didn't catch that at and all. Then I, remember I know. He, yeah, I know. He, he, I know. Cute. I know. During the during the the film, he's watching the films. Yes. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, I don't know. Um, but anyways, yeah, so we know Amber and Richie the killer. Amber has the fun one when Gail and uh, <laughs> Sydney are in the kitchen, very reminiscing of the original. Um, but these two get along. Amber and Richie kind of get along. So there's not this stabbing each other kind of thing like you did in the fourth one and in the first one. Mm-hmm. These guys are a little more crazy grounded, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, Amber's death's the best because he, gets, he sets her head on fire. <laughs> it's, um yeah. And that is a very similar way to which her character dies in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Didn't, no clue. Yeah, yeah. She what's be- with you in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? <laughs> she, she, she basically, uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she's one of the, the monsters. Oh, yeah. Killers, that's right. And DiCaprio gets, does it. Yeah, yeah. with the, with the, the flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. That's mm-hmm. a good scene. Yeah. Um, best scene in the film, actually. Yeah. A very scream, actually. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so Amber gets it. She gets blown away by Sydney. Um, wink, wink. She's not dead yet. We know she's gonna come back. But she's she's very she's the actress is so good in it because what happens is before before they actually she's lost. She's nothing she can do. She's been caught. The gun's in front of her. She's gonna get shot. She starts playing the victim. It was Richie. He he manipulated me. And then she turns back because she thinks she's gonna win to, to the psychotic bitch. And then she's not gonna win. She goes, "Oh no, please don't, please yes. don't." But here, very and um, for me, it was funny. one. Of, it was also um, at this point one of the best lines in the film, and so very clever as well. Where she said, "Oh, I met him on an internet." Um, um, movie message board he radicalized me and I think it's Sydney turns around and goes what you were fucking radicalized by film fans you know <laughs> that's so clever you know what I mean um, <laughs> how the fuck then, do you be radicalized by film fans you know <laughs> yeah there's and then we get Richie who's kind of the ringleader pretty much mm-hmm. uh, Richie's death is awesome yeah um, just just to kind of mirror what happens to Sheriff Hicks um, the cool thing about this death this one's done by Sam's hands and Sam starts seeing her father, Billy, again. This is where Skeet comes back. Who knows her and she, to where the knife is. Yep. And she stabs this man to, I mean, wood <laughs> doesn't stop. And then... And the let, face she, and let, everything? She, no, no, not yet. She doesn't stab him in the face yet. So then she, he, she stops and lets him say something. This is what was supposed to be fun or something. I can't remember what, what he says. Yeah. And then she just cuts his throat. Yes, and she also um, says as well um, something like, never fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like they say in the other ones, never fuck with the original. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's always that one line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then the camera pans out, and which is nice because what they've done is they copied the ending of Scream 1. There's a reporter in front of Stu's house, like Gail did in the first one. Mm-hmm. The camera pans out. Yeah. And that's the end of the film. Um, so it's a nice little... Nodding of the cap to the original scream, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what this whole film is. To be yeah, fair, yeah, it's it, it very very much is. Uh, I was just thinking there while we were doing this about the, the new cast, and you're right, they, they are quite competent. But I think what the problem is, they're overshadowed um, by the um, by obviously the legacy characters as they're known. You know, Sydney, Gale, and Dewey, especially Dewey for me. Yeah, see, I thought that myself. Um, Dewey makes the film. Yeah, first. I think all, he's like the emotional said, all, center of it, without doubt. He's um, and we, but you needed Gail, you needed Cindy. I understand why you needed them, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the film does try. Like I mentioned, they're barely in it, so I do, I do think the film does try to give these kids the new, the new pass yes. of the torch. I think so, and they did, they did a great job. I, there was, a, there was but another very something. Nice, there was another. You could recap. Sorry, go ahead. You could recast these guys, and I wouldn't probably. I, know, I, I don't know yet. That's I don't the problem. Know. Yeah, that's the problem. The felt know. generic, but I love the line. Um, uh, and it, this was a proper sort of full arc for Gail's character as well. Where whenever they're doing the news report about the you know the night of horror at the very end, Sydney says something like, "Well, Gail, usually you'd be in the thick of that sort of thing," and um, Gail says something like, "You know what? I don't even think I want to. I want to write about this sort of thing anymore. I think I'm going to write about a good man who was once sheriff here." You know. Oh yes, that was a nice little. Yes, yeah, I like so that. So she's like saying, you know, I'm sick of all this shit, and I'm just going to write fucking, um, you know, something worthwhile about a good man, you know, and pay proper tribute. Yeah. So she's yeah. changed, you know. Yeah. So all the characters they come back pretty much come full circle. Yes. Um. So, but there you have it. That's the end. Oh, uh, retrospective. 
I'll tell you what. Um, we'll be back in a couple of years' time for Scream 6. <laughs> yeah. I thought about this. Uh, you know, because it's the main thing for me is the characters. And all the Scream films always had fun characters. Mm-hmm. The third had more of the annoying ones. So the third yes. one's out. The third one's good, but it's nothing like mm-hmm. the other ones. So I'm going to have to say Scream 1. Oh, I don't know what to do here. Yeah, the order you would place the films in. Yeah, well, definitely one for for the for the one's best. the always gonna be. You know what I do? I do one, the new one. <laughs> you can't decide. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll do. I'll do number one. Mm-hmm. We'll say we'll say this is Scream Five. Okay, okay. so yeah. we got number one, number five, number three, number four. No, 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 no. Number one, number five. Number four. Number four, number two, and then number three. I would tend to agree with that, although I would maybe have two before four, because I've always, for some reason I've always really liked um, um, two. No, yeah, I'd like to, and that one I'm teetering on. Mm-hmm. The great thing about this franchise, and this is a horror franchise, no horror franchise gets this respect. Yes. No, none of them do, and they, they shouldn't. Nightmare on Elm Street 12 and Friday 13, even the Halloween 6 and 7, they're horrible. Yeah, yeah. The screen films are Good movies. Yeah, yeah. They're they're all, you know. And my and as a horror fan, I give them all A's. Besides the third, like it's a B minus. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with that. And yeah. uh, and on principle, I'm not really a you know I'm not a fan at all of never ending sequels and franchises and just you know Hollywood pumping out you know these never ending remakes, um, sequels blah blah blah. However, I've always been a fan of the Scream films since they were the first came out twenty five years ago. Yeah, you know, and they 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 hold they and they hold up. The, the thing is, um, it's because they're consistent, um, in, in many ways. I mean, obviously, Wes Craven sadly passed away a few years ago, but he directed the first four. Kevin Williamson basically wrote one, two, and four. He's executive producer on this new one. It has the same cast, the same sort of main cast of characters throughout. You know, give or take. You know, the old one that get, gets bumped off, like Randy in the yeah. second one and stuff. So I think the consistency. Is um you know and also the the quality writing um maybe three aside although three's not actually not bad written it's just a bit sort of um it's the weakest three, of the lot I think three had the best ending yeah yeah it was like a, a proper closure ending yeah um yeah. but um yeah it's, it's, you know it's it, it's had so many strengths such as the direction obviously of Wes Craven and also the the brilliant writing of Kevin Williamson. You know, three great leads with um, you know Dewey, um, Gale, and Sydney. So yeah, it's and and so and I love that. You know, being a film nerd myself and like yourself, you know what I mean. I love all that meta commentary. You know, and playing with the rules and it's it's because they're very clever. They're not just generic. Um, and they, as we said at at the start of this sort of retrospective, they know the rules and they know the rules well, so they know how to break them. You know. Yeah, they, they and they, you know, and they can, throughout the five films, they haven't always got it right, um, but um, they've done a hell of a good job. Yes, yeah, and kudos to Wes Craven and yes. and the team for starting this, and mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson for his vision and uh, mm-hmm. it being executed. And these new these new guys who directed it, yes. I can't wait to see what you do next. And it's dedicated are, to Wes at the end, Wes Craven. Yeah, of course. Well, one of the characters is called Wes. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, 
there we have it. Uh, this was such a fucking awesome friend. Yeah. Fucking, fucking great, great, great retrospective to do. Um, I, I have can to watch admit, these movies I, I, again. It actually makes me a bit sad to think that the first one was 25 years ago, and I'm like, you know, oh, fuck, I feel old and fucking, you know. Oh, I know. There's, it's it's I like know. an almost sort of poignancy saying, fuck, Scream was 25 years ago, or uh, 26 <sighs> years ago, actually, you know. <laughs> I know, so, I'm oh, so fuck, old. Where does the time go? I'm you so know? fucking old. I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for following us so much. We appreciate it. Yes, Any comments, likes, or dislikes, always go on Facebook or Citizen Frame underscore podcast. Guys, uh, have a great, great night or day, whatever fucking time zone, whatever. I don't I don't know. Have a good one. Have a good one. <laughs> Listen, guys, thanks for everything. We greatly appreciate it. And that is a wrap. Have a good night.